Thank you for joining us today. Pastor Rander's message motivates us to ask the question, what is God's will for my life now that I am saved? God gives us free will. He doesn't force himself on us. He does, however, give us his inspired word that we must meditate on, study, and obey if we are to reach our full potential in him. We will fall immeasurably short of what he has in store for us and miss blessings beyond our ability to calculate if we do anything less. You'll want to take notes, so be sure to have your Bible, pen, and paper handy as you listen in. It's preaching time. You have your Bibles. Be so kind enough to turn with us to the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. The book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 is our text for this morning. It's the Word of God says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Verse 16. But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And from this particular passage of Scripture, we want to preach the brevity of life. The brevity of life. This is a day of appreciation and encouragement for all of you who are active and retired military, for you who are veterans and family members alike. It is a day we annually set aside to express our appreciation and gratitude to you who have sacrificed for the freedoms that we today enjoy. You are valued today, military personnel, you veterans, active and retired, you're valued, and you are not forgotten, and we hold these annual celebration appreciation services to let you know we have not forgotten you. Life is so short, and the years are passing so fast. The years are now saying, now you see me, and now you don't. And when we focus on the swiftness of life, the transitions of life, it should bring us into a realization as to how valuable time really is. God is a God of equity. He has given us the same 24 hours in a day. You don't get 15 hours in a day and I get two. Someone else doesn't get 24 hours and somebody else get 19. I'm so glad that God did this because some of us would be robbed of our time. And yet some men and women make great and wonderful achievements while others, when reflecting back on their lives, they have nothing to show for it and they end up in depression because of so little gain in in their history and in their lives. These itinerant merchants addressed in this passage were Jews who were carrying on a lucrative trade throughout the Mediterranean world. They were business professionals, but yet they, they never got around to investing in the kingdom of God. This passage does not condemn wise business planning. Again, I say to you, this passage does not condemn wise business planning, but rather any planning that leaves God out. There's nothing wrong with making money, making profit, wise business planning, and all these things. 
But planning without Christ is a sin against God. Look at verse 13, if you will. Verse 13, with brevity comes priority. With brevity comes priority. We're going right down the text. Uh, the scripture says in verse 13, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy, sell, and make a profit. Now, do not allow Satan to cause you to lose your focus. We must give our attention to that which is, which is priority in life. The Jewish itinerant merchants were busy buying, selling, making profits, buying, selling, making profits, buying, selling, and making a profit, and not pursuing kingdom priorities. It is so sad that the world and many carnal saints consume their God-given time and energy spending, selling, and making a profit without seeking Christ first. Many saints are actually greedy, they are materialistic, they are solved in this world's good, such as cars and homes, jewelry, fun, food, fashion, sports, lottery, bingo, gambling, designs, fads, vacations, entertainment, and investments. Some saints get more joy out of sports, gossip, uh, reality shows, talk shows, cell phones, internet, email, texting, Facebooking, tweeting, and politics than seeing people one to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so sad that the world and even Christians focus on this stuff because the end result is that it will be eaten by moth, either it will rust out, stolen, or it will be burned up. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 really sums it up. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Burned up. Don't hold on to things too tightly because the reality is you are holding on to a future ash pile. This also includes your cluttered homes, your stuffed closets, your crowded attics, your packed garages, your loaded backyard sheds, and your cram lease storages. You got a lease of storage down the street because of your stuff. Man, what kind of, what kind of investment you could be making in the kingdom and, and paying insurance on it, and you forget what even, what's even in the storage? You know, you remember, what, what did I have out there? And as a matter of fact, you pay lease on it so long until you, the lease money that you've been paying is worth more than the stuff that you're paying the lease on. First Timothy 6, 7 also says, it just sums it up. For we brought nothing into this world. You brought absolutely nothing into this world. And it is absolutely certain we can carry nothing out. It does not matter how much you acquire in this life. You can't keep it. Where is your heart? Beloved, your pleasure is not God's priority. Did you get that? Your pleasure is not God's priority. Look at verse 14. Just coming just straight at the text, expository preaching. Read the text, interpret the text, apply the text. Verse 14 says, with brevity comes preparation for departure. With brevity comes preparation for departure. Look at verse 14. It says, 
whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. These itinerant merchants, businessmen, were planning a year ahead when they did not even know if they would see tomorrow. Is that you? Psalms 27.1 says, do not boast about tomorrow. Some of you boast about what you're going to do for Thanksgiving, what you're going to do for Black Friday, what you're going to do for Christmas, what you're going to do for New Year's Eve day. And the scripture here even says, this scripture does not go into next month or next year. It's saying, don't you even boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring. When one compares our finite life to eternity, its length is only but a vapor. Therefore, we must live as if we are going home to heaven each day. Did you get that? We ought to live each day as if that is the day we are going home to heaven. It'll change your whole perspective. If we know Jesus as our personal Savior, you'll leave each day. When you wake up in the morning, you, if you say, this is the day I could be going to heaven to be with Jesus, it'll change your whole perspective as to what you do that day. Now, allow me to transition. How do you prepare for your imminent departure? How do you prepare for your imminent departure? It doesn't matter whether you're a baby. It doesn't matter whether you're 10 years old, 15 years old, 25 years old, 45, 85, 95, 100, 105. Doesn't matter. How do you prepare for your imminent departure? Well, first of all, you must get in a hurry to meet Jesus. Life is too short to be absorbed in materialism. Life is too short to be absorbed in addictions and to be addicted to stuff and substance and all these fads and fashions and trends and entertainment and worldly pleasures and pursuits. We must live ready. You can't be getting ready. You need to be living ready. And this is done by, number one, first recognizing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. This is how you... You live ready. You got to recognize that you are a sinner in need of a savior. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, you, you don't know you need a savior until, first of all, that you know you're a sinner. If you don't know you're a sinner, you don't believe you're a sinner, you, you're not seeing need for a savior. But once you say, I'm a sinner, I'm messed up, I can't help myself, then you'll cry out to God in utter, in utter desperation for a savior. Secondly, this is done by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So first of all, you got to recognize you're a sinner. Secondly, you got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You must believe that truth. There's no salvation from the reality of that truth. And then thirdly, living out your faith validates that you are a believer in Christ. Now, you got a lot of folks profess that they're saved, 
but they just, it's just about talk. But the kingdom is not about talk. You just can't profess salvation. You need to possess salvation. Living out your faith validates that you are a believer in Christ. James 1, says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Some folk, they're good about hearing and talking, hearing and talking, but they're not doers of the word. If you're just hearing and you're just a talker, but you're not doing what the word says, you are deceiving yourselves. Then Philippians 4, 9 also says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, underline this, practice these things. That's how you validate that you're, you're saved, when you practice and live out the word of God. Practice these things. Put the word of God into action in your life, and the God of peace will be with you. That's how you have peace. It's through the implementation and the execution of the word of the living God. How do you prepare for your imminent departure? Hurry up and get serious about Christ. Now, you have a lot of Christians that are in Christ, but they've grown cold. They're not serious. Hurry up and get serious about Christ. It is urgent that you rise up out of apathy. So many, you think this pandemic will bring the best service out of people, will give people great passion and zeal, but I declare to you today, with this virus, people have become so apathetic, so complacent. They complain. They are negative. They lack commitment. They are selfish. They have loss of passion. And they are not about the Father's business. When you see people, death and dying all around you, that ought to move any of us. Say, you know what? I got to get serious about God. Look at the death. Look at, look at the seriousness of this thing. Look at all the things that's happening around the world. And I'm in some kind of la-la land. John 9, 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no one can work. How do you prepare for your imminent departure? It is critical that, that we be good stewards of the gift of time. It is very critical that we be good stewards of the gift of time. Time is a gift from God. Now, let me, uh, let me say this, my friends. If you waste time, you're wasting God's gift. You, you cannot waste time because it's ingratitude. It is critical that we be good stewards of the gift of time. If you waste it, you cannot retrieve it, you cannot reproduce it, and you cannot make it up. Did you get it? (laughs) You cannot retrieve it, reproduce it, or make it up. You cannot go back into yesterday, pull out time from yesterday, and add it to today. One day we must stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account as to how we use this time because time is a gift from God and time belongs to God. Ephesians 5, 16 says, making the best use of the time. Make our best use of the time because the days are evil. The days are too evil for us not to be making the best use of time. The devil is too busy and the world is too dangerous for us not to be making the best use of time. James 4, 14b also says, but what is your life? What a question. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, a little steam, and it disappears, and then it vanishes away. How do we prepare for our departure? 
Since death does not give us a notice, death doesn't say, I'm going to get you today. It, it, it doesn't do that. It doesn't give us a notice. We must live in a state of readiness. To you veterans, active and retired military personnel, you know about preparing for your departure because you have had to do that in the military with your permanent changes of station, with your deployments, recall, provisions for child care in your absence, and even preparing a will in the event of your death. Oh, you know about preparing for your departure in the military for sure. Just like having your mobility bag with all of your combat gear prepared at all times for your sudden wartime departure, do you have your spiritual life secured in Christ in the event of your sudden death? You do not have time to get ready. You must live in a constant state of readiness. Beloved, are you prepared for your unexpected departure? You can't put God on hold when death comes. You can't say you're busy. You can't say you have another degree. You got another dollar to make. When God calls, you answer, and you're out of this world. Verse 15, with brevity comes motivation to seek the will of God. With brevity comes motivation to seek the will of God. Look at verse 15. It says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. That's real critical. Because of the brevity of life, it is extremely important that we not be remiss in acknowledging and implementing the will of God in our daily life. We do not hear often enough believers saying, if it is the Lord's will. When did I say, you don't hear that. They say, I'm going to do this. Tomorrow I'm going to do that. Next week I'm going to do this. I, I, I got to go here. I got to go there. I got to go everywhere. Where is the, if it is the Lord's will in your conversations? It was in Paul's. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 19a says, but Paul says, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. <laughs> Acts 18, 20 through 21 also says, when they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, and I will return again to you, God willing. Look, if the Lord wills, God willing. If the Lord wills, God willing. We often presume upon God with boastful, independent planning as if our plans are automatically guaranteed. That's dangerous. And this message is to heighten your sensitivity on the brevity of life. And since life is so short, I believe we need to have if the Lord's will in more of our conversation. Beloved, it is a dangerous thing to make plans without seeking the mind of Christ first through prayer. Well, if the Lord's will, what is God's will for his children? Allow me to transition there. I had several of them. I had, this, I had to sift out some. I have more message than I have time. I wish I could have given you all of the, the, the listings of the will of God 
for, for military personnel as well as believers. But time just wouldn't permit because of all the things we're doing in the service. But allow me just to give you a, a, a little handful. What is God's will for his children? Number one, it's God's will that you pray and listen to him. That's God's will. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. When a Christian prays, he demonstrates his trust and dependence upon Christ and not himself. Did you get that? When a Christian prays, he demonstrates his trust and dependence upon Christ and not himself. It is the difference between success and failure. It is the difference between life and death. Military personnel who fail to listen to those in authority and follow instructions with accuracy and precision can get themselves and everyone else around them killed. God does not waste words. I say it again. God does not waste words. He does not. He doesn't waste words. Therefore, we need to treasure the word of God and refuse to be dull of hearing. God is speaking, but the real question is, are you listening? Samuel chapter 3 verse 19 says, So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. The word of God was not ignored in Samuel's life. The word of God was valuable in Samuel's life. He treasured the word of God. He valued the word of God and he did not allow not a word to fall to the, to the ground. What are you doing with the word of the living God? Prayer is so vital in military and civilian life because when we pray, God gives us wisdom. When we pray, God gives us power. When we pray, God gives us strength to deal with life's issues, life's transitions, and life's crises. And for you who are in the military, prayer preserves and gives you wisdom right in the midst of combat when you are in harm's way. It's so critical that you listen to the word of God and obey. Secondly, what is God's will? It's God's will that you obey him, that you obey Christ. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, obey my commandments, obey my instructions, obey my precepts, obey my law. Stop saying you love God, but you're not doing what he says. Matter of fact, he says in another passage in the New Testament, why call me Lord and do not what I say? Obedience is so essential in life, especially in the military. After you sign up for the military and take the oath, the first thing that is done to you is that you are given a military-style haircut. There's no designer cuts. You're fitted for a uniform, indoctrinated in military basics to include saluting, marching, military time and language, standing at attention, and other drills and ceremonies. You are also trained to perform other critical aspects of military life to include time management, consisting of quick showers. You can't just sit around in that shower. You get yourself in there and out. Your meals have to be done quickly. And getting into formation, you learn quickly the immediate consequences to failure to comply with instructions which can affect you and your entire unit. You want to get the unit mad at you, let the whole unit have to suffer because of your foolishness. The goal of all this is to strip you of your independence and selfishness in order to conform you into a cohesive unit of one. You say, why are they doing all this in military life? 
is to strip you of all of your selfishness and independence so that you will conform and become a cohesive unit of one. They're not, the commanders and those in authority, they don't care. They're not asking you for your opinion. What do you think? How do you, are you feeling fine today about what I'm doing? <laughs> they look at you and laugh in your face. You know, they want harmony. They want unity. They want you serving on the authority of those in the chain of command for combat readiness. And the same is true. The same is true. The same is true when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He first saves you, then transforms you, and then conforms you into the image of his likeness. Wow. You must die to self and become a new creation in Christ in order to give the Lord your best as you fight the good fight of faith under his Christ divine authority. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Thirdly, what is the will of God for your life? According to 1 Thessalonians 5.22, it is God's will that you abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. That's God's will for our lives. When the Lord is on the throne of your life and you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, when you are away from home on temporary duty assignment or on foreign soil, you will not lose your character. Some military persons, when they get overseas, they say, I'm free now. My wife's at home. My eight children at home. And I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just be footloose and fancy free, you fool. Ah. We are not alone on our spiritual journey. God is always with us. He is available to us any day, anytime, and anywhere. He is our father. He is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. He is always available to us through his word, through his son, and through his indwelling Holy Spirit. We serve an awesome God. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. If you enjoy Pastor Rander's teaching of the inerrant word of God, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church in Converse, Texas.